It has been a chaotic time for the airline industry and for air travel in general. I mean, this is such an important area uh, for all of us, but but especially for North Texas. brings in a lot of money. So you have all these uh, airlines and all these airports and everything's jammed, and then it comes to a halt. And then everything came back online a lot earlier than most people thought. You couldn't get an airplane or you couldn't check in at the airport. Now, I don't know, maybe it's calmed down a little bit. Mark Diebner knows. He's director of aviation for the city of Dallas, but more importantly, the czar of Love Field. And joins us right now. It's good to have you with us. It's very good to be here. You look rested. Um, I, I'm, I don't feel rested. Well, I'm guessing that if we check back with, with you a couple of months ago, it was it was chaotic. Is it calmer now? Uh, yeah, it is. It is quite a bit calmer. I think, you know, you say chaos. Everyone joked with me to say, well, you're, you know, you was, you didn't have much to do when you didn't have all that traffic there. And it was really the opposite as all of us airports and airlines were scrambling to try and manage through that loss of traffic. Now that it's back, we're kind of back to normal, but we've, we do have a new set of challenges. And I think, um, you know, it, it's, it's bearing out in our customer service. We have, um, let me try a theory on you, because I thought about this the other day. Right now, there are a lot of leisure travelers that are traveling, and these are not people who fly all the time. Conversely, you used to have a whole lot of business travelers who are you know how to pack and zip through airports and get ready to go through TSA or clear or whatever else there is. And so you sort of have a bunch of novices right now. Has this been part of the problem? Yes. Um, yeah, the traveler mix, uh, the change with the heavy leisure travel through this summer, it had all kinds of unintended consequences. Um, you know, slowdowns on the checkpoint, additional demands on the baggage handling system. Um, you know, business travelers typically carry, uh, you know, just have a carry on bag. It also bore out in the numbers we saw, like the usage of our parking garages. So families typically drive and park especially if they have kids as opposed to taking a taxi or a, or a ride share um, kind of affects the concessions mix. Um, so it, it does slow down kind of the movement of passengers through the terminal. Uh, the demands are a little bit more, you know, uh, cleaning the restrooms, emptying trash, just the business folks are less impactful. I think you, you, you describe it well, they, they zip in and they zip out and they're very efficient and they don't put a lot of stress on the systems of an airport. How did you fare through all of your, you know, all your tenants? Um, Whataburger, I guess, is always going to be there. <laughs> and all probably always got to have a line. But everybody else make it through? No, we continue to have um, staffing challenges and supply chain issues. Um I, I would have never in my lifetime thought that we'd be worried about a shortage of chicken wings, but evidently that is the new world order. Um, and so, you know, just staffing, making sure that they can get employees into the concessions uh, to work has is, is really been a strain. We Most of the concessions are back, maybe not 100%. Um, we only have one or two that are, are not back yet because of staffing and, and food supply issues and it's just shortages all the way around and it it's it like i said earlier it really is impacting customer service but you know everyone's trying to work together and 
and do the best we can. And, and thankfully, I think our customers are pretty understanding. Yeah, you know, I've always thought of Love Field as a point-to-point airport. Uh, you go out there, you get on an airplane, you get off in Little Rock or Boston or wherever you're going to go. But it seemed like the nature of it really changed during the pandemic, and it became sort of a hub and spoke at a feeder airport. So you had people coming in, staying longer, waiting to get on outgoing airplanes. And one of the things you don't have, you don't have any airport clubs, you don't have any you know, public clubs or any place else to to loiter. Um, are you going to take? Is that something you got to take a look at for the future? We we had already looked at a uh, lounge concept um, prior to the uh, pandemic. We just we knew that was a level of service uh, that some of our passengers uh, really would enjoy. I will say that we're moving full speed ahead. Something we've been wanting to have and. And it's been a challenge to get it, but we really have wanted to add a USO uh, location at Love, and, and we just haven't. But that is on track now, and hopefully in the next couple of months we'll get that open uh, for you know just providing that level of service to our to our armed service personnel. Um, but yeah, it, you know we're a very efficient airport, and and we did see a mix of travelers change with heavier leisure and heavier connecting traffic. Um, I think both DFW and love really were positioned well um, to, to handle that increase in connecting traffic. And don't forget that the airlines really retooled. So Southwest added seven uh, destinations from love field uh, to take advantage of that leisure traveler. So they, as our majority carrier, they really pivoted well. They do the beaches and mountains. Yeah. And, and across the country, you talk to some of the, leisure destination airports, they're actually performing better than they did prior to the pandemic. Um, I guess the term was, uh, it was being used was revenge travel. Everyone was so tired of being cooped up because of the pandemic that they were going to take a vacation. And so, so uh, yeah, it's been, we would like to have more space, um, uh, but we still think we're a pretty convenient, efficient airport. And, and we've, you know, really, seeing that traffic get back um, during during the summer months. Now, we are typically slowing down this time time of year. Uh, the performance is off a little bit. Um, we're not at the 95% level we were in, in July. Um, so we're hoping for the Delta variant to subside and business travel to start coming back. And, and so we're looking forward to clear skies ahead. you know but but right now one of the questions that wall street's been asking this is is there going to be a holiday travel season this year everybody assumed that there was going to then the variant came along and we started seeing airlines say that you know booking rates were dropping off cancellation rates were increasing how are you gearing up for 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 the rest of the year we are gearing up so i you know i was pretty bullish earlier this year that the travel demand was going to come back um, and because the holiday season is typically leisure travel, um, we're gearing up to be at or very near the pre-pandemic levels for our holiday travel. And I, and I can tell you, so looking at the numbers, we went back and kind of watched the drop off in traffic as the case counts rose. It's not a direct correlation, but you definitely could see, you know, as the pandemic spread last year, um, the the bookings dropped off so as the delta variant has come back 
the, there's not that same level of correlation. So I think there's a lot more resilience in travel demand. Um, Cause if you, you really were at the case numbers are at where we were at the peak last summer, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we didn't see the, we have not seen the drop off. So a slight dip uh, that, that makes sense. Um, but I think the leisure travel is going to be just as strong Thanksgiving through Christmas. So you, you talk to all of your colleagues and obviously are in, I'm sure, daily communication with the TSA and airlines and everybody else. What's going to happen after, you know, after 9-11, there were a lot of changes and there were permanent changes. One of the things that a lot of people have been looking for is some sort of universally accepted uh, credential. Uh, American Airlines has been pushing airside. And I noticed Clear has added the ability not only to get you, you know, through the through the front of the line, but to load on the information about your vaccination, your vaccination card. But it, but it doesn't look like there is any sort of standard that's accepted here, and maybe maybe all around the world. Yeah, there hasn't been. It it certainly would make things easier if there was some sort of national leadership on that issue. Um, I think everyone's trying to figure out what might be the best methodology. I know the airlines uh, early on were really opposed to a vaccine requirement for travel, sort of a vaccine passport. Um, but I think public opinion is kind of coming around to the fact that, you know, we are willing to provide that information if we can be assured that everyone else on the flight is is provided that information and and is vaccinated as well so i think sort of the the um, political will to put that in place is getting stronger um and so we we stand ready to do whatever we need to do to to facilitate you know reviewing that vax vaccination status um, I think it would be a lot easier to do that than try to do on-site testing. Yeah, but, Those but, things mean, were really challenging. But your point's well taken. It's going to take some leadership. It's probably not going to be the individual airlines because then there'll be an argument that, you know, you're enforcing your will over others or whatever. But your industry, for example, I mean, there must be some sort of trade association of people who run the airports around the country and around the world. Well, there are. There's uh, Airport Council International, which is global, and then the um, uh, American Association of Airline Executives, and they're both great organizations that try to work with TSA and CDC and, and really be a voice for the airports with regard to the masking mandates and those kind of things. Um, right now, the big push, quite frankly, is getting airports and, and the federal government together on trying to deal with disruptive passengers. So you've seen there's been a, a real increase in incidences on aircraft, um, but it's airports are in a real tricky spot in that we have local law enforcement that doesn't have jurisdiction over over those federal rules. Um, and so even if someone's disruptive and they want a local law enforcement to to assist the you know, it, it's it we just don't have that ability to really detain or enforce now if they're disruptive in the airport and bro yeah. break local laws as far as assault or something like that then then we can take action but there's just this gray area if you don't wear a mask on a plane um and you're as one of my security guys said you're you're a courteous objector to the mask mandate 
we really don't have any basis to detain or hold or do anything to that passenger when they get off the plane. Um, and, and, you know, TSA doesn't have a, a, an enforcement force large enough to staff every airport to deal with those issues. What a mess. Uh, look, I, I'm now I've run along here, but, but I, I got to ask you real quick. There, everybody's talking infrastructure. Presumably there's an infrastructure bill. Uh, your industry has been chief in there about, you know, improving runways and facilities and uh, radar and that sort of thing. Are you in for that? I mean, do you, do you have a sense of what you're going to get and what, where you'd use the money? Well, not, we don't really have a sense yet. I know that it's a big number and it's kind of diced up. There's, you know, a bunch of money for air traffic control and modernizing the system. Um, fifth, what we know now is pretty much 15 billion going to airports for infrastructure projects and another 5 billion really focused on terminal improvements, which will help with outdated terminals, you know, getting, you know, better facilities to deal with pandemic issues like this with social distancing and, and those kind of things. So we're really focused on that 15 billion that's going to get distributed. Um, I'll be honest with you though, as a medium hub airport, um, the way the FAA or the, the formula as we know it right now will follow the same for the airport improvement program, which is how dollars are ad- allocated to the airports um, in, in, in the grant distribution. That really favors the large, the mega hub airports that do a lot of connecting traffic um, and, and medium hubs really kind of don't get our fair share, I'll be honest with you. Um, even though a runway costs the exact same amount at a yeah. smaller, a medium hub airport as it does in a large hub, uh, since most of those formulas really focus on total in-plane passenger numbers, um, you know, a, a, a mega hub with a lot of connecting traffic is going to soak up a lot of dollars. Yeah. So, but we'll get our, we'll get a share and we will put it to very good use. We have lots of infrastructure needs uh, and we will continue to improve the airport, improve the efficiency and, and really just reinvest in Love Field for, for the city of Dallas. Well, at least you have one of the, the, the newer facilities out there, and it, and it, and it seems to work well uh, to no small degree because of your efforts. Mark Diemer is the uh, Director of Aviation for Dallas and General Manager of Dallas Love Field. We always enjoy the visits, and they're always, there's never enough time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for more of our conversation. Go to KRLD.com slash CEO. I'm David Johnson, News Radio 1080 KRLD.